in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Are you hanging up standing on your wall? Are you hoping that the snow will start to fall? Do you ride on down the hillside in a body you have made? Are you landing on your hand and you will say? So It's the Mac <laughs> Well, he did say stuff. He got an update just before the show. <laughs> <laughs> did you not hear the theme? Did I didn't you? hear anything. No, I didn't hear anything either. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, yes, I pressed the red one. Don't is you worry. An, is this an omen? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Right. There we go. Well, welcome to this show. Technical hitches already. Um, with me, as you might have heard, Mac Jim. Hello, James. Good afternoon. Uh, Suffolk Pete. Hello, Hi Pete. There. And Donnie, uh, who hopefully will not be coughing all the way through because he's now mostly recovered from having the flu. Hello, Donnie. Hello. I'll try to mute. I'll try to mute wire if I get a coughing attack. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, here we are. And uh, a proper show, not just me, a proper show with guests. Look at that. How's that for a... That's a good start. That's a good start. Um, you haven't heard me last talk show... <laughs> Last show before Christmas. Um, and uh, so news is unsurprisingly thin on the ground. Uh, the blogs are full of the year in review and best of the decade. Um, you can argue about whether the decade actually ends now or at the end of 2020. Um, mathematicians one way, uh, everybody else the other. Um, there we are. Um, I did find some stories, though. We have found a story uh, about a secret Apple satellite team. No, never, nonetheless. Hey, eh? more about that. Uh, I've got some more info on the blue membrane that we talked about um, a couple of shows ago. And a cobalt-free EV battery from uh, IBM for electric vehicles. Uh, made with stuff from seawater, apparently. And uh, Zuck wants to make a Facebook OS. There we are. So, um, let's kick off with the secret satellite team at Apple. Um, I can't remember who put this one in the Slack room. Was, was it you, Jim? I um, can't remember. Possibly. I, I, think it's anyway. actually, I think it's a secret plan to uh, have a guidance system for the um, mother, mothership. <laughs> Cupertino, when it takes off, yeah. it's got some way getting around the place without uh, Trump finding it. <laughs> uh, right, well, according to Bloomberg, Apple has a secret team working on satellite technology that the iPhone maker could use to beam internet services directly to devices bypassing wireless networks, according to people familiar with the work. Um Apparently, they have about a dozen engineers from aerospace, satellite, and antenna design industries working on a secret project with the goal of deploying results within five years. Um, interesting, interesting. Um, there, there are so many of these sort of um, stories from, you know, the major uh, tech companies like Apple, Google, etc. And obviously, they're interested in... Uh, 
owning the way that they deliver their their turn there's lots of um uh things out there that they can invest in um and it, it says here you know that apple may uh, there's a chance apple may drop it i think they've they've got so many fingers in so many pies that they're they're obviously investing in lots of different things and seeing which one flies really upon the pump um yeah I, I i very much think so i mean um they're not the only ones are they who who are no. doing this um amazon apparently wished to deploy three thousand satellites um as it says here, you know, this industry is littered with failures. Yeah. Uh, Iridium filed for bankruptcy in 1999. Teledizic abandoned its internet from the sky a decade ago. Um, Facebook, SpaceX and Amazon are all a long way from generating any revenue. Mm. Uh, and Apple rarely enters categories without a clear way to make money. Um, well, that's that's my question is if. If this come to pass, is it going to be a service that they're going to charge for? Is it going to be part of iCloud or will be included with the iPhone? Um, it couldn't totally probably replace cellular service because I would assume it's only iOS to iOS or iPad to iOS device. Like within the ecosystems, you still have to be able to communicate with Android phones and, and quote unquote dumb phones. So if this ever comes to be, it'll be interesting how it actually works. Yeah will, yeah, will we stay within Apple's walled garden? Will it just be for you know, couple, Apple users? Well, a couple of problems I see is, well, is cost. I know Apple has a very large bank balance, but mm. if it's bankrupted a few companies uh, over the years trying to do the same thing, um, you just wonder how Apple could afford it. I, I feel it's more of a, a, a wish list approach in the sky idea mm. uh, like many things they do they bring out uh, patents for various things which never come off um, but also the other problem is as you said Amazon are looking at putting up 3,000 satellites what are the other companies thinking about putting up um, it's a little crowded up there for mm-hmm. things flying around the, the world um, they've already got enough problems with uh, space debris um, so yeah, I don't think it'll ever come off, to be honest. And I don't think we could afford to pay for the services. And at the end of the day, you have £3,000 mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking that a few years ago, we were all thinking, oh, we never pay £1,000 for a mobile phone. And yeah. then, uh, this year I have. <laughs> well, I, I drew the line last year with yeah. the, uh, the XR. Uh, I only got yeah. it because I only paid a couple hundred pounds for it. Yeah. Uh, my old phone was sold uh, and some Christmas money made it affordable but mm-hmm. no I'm not, I wasn't willing to pay the seven or eight hundred pounds for that yeah. let alone yeah. over a thousand it's um it is an interesting it is interesting um story though because mm. um I've read elsewhere in kind of in relation to it the obvious one of the obvious things that Apple don't like um right from the very start is carriers having you know any control over what they do yeah um just gonna i mean let's you know apple broke the mold as it were wasn't it because they you know started in america with you know exclusively on at&t um but by demanding that you know at&t didn't brand the phone didn't put any software on the phone didn't do this didn't do that um, you know, before that, carriers did all sorts of things to phones. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, but is this the way Apple here, becomes a carrier, and then they, the iPhone, only works on this service, and it's somehow compatible with all the other 
be able to call phones and send messages to phones, but well, I mean, they can only they only have to make one model of the phone for each 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 um model. Like they don't need a Verizon model, a T-Mobile model, a AT and T mm. model. They just need the Apple phone model and the iPhone in the three different four different <laughs> sizes. It cuts down on a lot less work for them if they could get it to work and cut out the carrier totally. I mean, it would also depend to some extent. How many satellites do you need? No, um, do you, I mean. Th- I'm sure you don't need 3,000 satellites. GPS works on what? Uh, I mean, it's not a small number. It's not a huge it's not, number, is it? It's not a huge number either, is it? Um, there's also talk, of course, that they could be using this technology as a way to, you know, maybe get it installed on other satellites and then use beam that back to, you know, um, land-based networks. So, it, I mean, it's all very vague because they're not telling anybody anything unsurprisingly as it's a secret team <laughs> yeah yeah the idea is quite good in the sense yeah. that it does bypass uh, carriers but then you introduce big problems with the likes of china or russia or any other country um might take exception to apple bypassing uh, their people's security as they would put it their ability to spy on them, yeah, quite yeah, right. Yeah, because Apple yeah. won't let them tap into a satellite system. Um, nope. It would be very secure, I would suspect. Um, yeah. It could, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, they're talking about a five year plan here, so um, who can tell? That's just, uh, it did just catch my eye. Um, isn't, isn't that the um, supposed length of the contract with um, Qualcomm? Uh, yeah, well, that was a five or six year contract. I can't so imagine that contract goes out and Apple's ready to release this and they don't need those type of uh, modems anymore because this thing works and they can do it yeah, all. That, house. Yeah, that, that's also that's also an interesting um, thought, isn't it, Donnie? Because, you know, for all the trumpeting of 5G, <laughs> nobody's really convinced yet that 5G is actually going to be better than 4G. Um, well, one of the big problems with 5G is its range. Um, you need a lot more um, uh, aerials for that system to work because it's short range. Yep. It doesn't penetrate well, the, uh, buildings. It, mm. the um, other, well, the other thing about 5G is it's not really one tech. There are at least two different technologies at use mm-hmm. in 5G, which is the um, sub-millimeter wave, I think, and then the... Uh, above six gigahertz, I, I can't remember the precise details, but there are two versions mm-hmm. which work differently. Um, one can be um, apparently, you know, current um, hardware can be modified, so you know, ex- existing masts and whatnot could be can be modified to use this slower, longer distance five G. Um, but the sort of super fast five G requires everywhere being blanketed in um, transmitters. So how that how that's going to pan out, I don't know. Mm. Um, so maybe you know maybe Apple are looking to say we need something that's actually going to be universal and uh, better. Who can tell? Yeah, I'm I'm going to think within ten years I will ditch the carriers if this works and actually is a real thing. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's too many um, little stories coming through. Um, and I think that fits in with what Apple wants to do. They want to become, they're so big now, they want to become independent of the uh, of the carriers. And then they could, and, they could adapt it to be in laptops too. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So we're all um, on Apple's system. You've got Mac OS and OS or whatever replaces them. 
yeah, that is that is a you know that is a possibility in the longer term. Mm. Um, and you know, Apple do have an awful lot of money, and um, if somebody you know like SpaceX, uh, you know, really gets off the ground, they you know putting satellites up isn't the sort of government busting prices that it used to be. No, so, no, quite. SpaceX, there we would, are. Well, SpaceX would be the good tie-in for Apple. Mm. Like-minded companies. There we are. Yeah. So that's that one. Um, Apple have opened their public bug bounty program and published official rules. Um, this is on ZNet, but it's out elsewhere as well. Of course, as we know, until recently, um, the iOS bug bounty was for invited security researchers only. Um. And there was no official Mac uh, bug bounty. Um, they have now um, launched an official um, public bug bounty program. Hmm. Um, not really a lot to say about that. Um, Prized that it's taken this long, really. Yeah. I think is probably the, the long and short on that one. You want people to report bugs. They might not put a carrot in for people to urge them to report something if they find it. Indeed. Um, and I believe they are offering, you know, considerable sums if you were to produce a serious, um, you know, a serious vulnerability. Mm. Because one of the things they were criticised before, wasn't it, was that actually what bug bounties they did offer were not really, um, you know, they were not really competitive to what um, what you could get if you were less scrupulous as a um, security researcher and found a vulnerability and sold it to, you know, the NSA. Mm. Chinese secret service or somebody. So uh, I guess that's a good thing. There, um, there are impressive rewards on offer, according to this. Um, obviously, you have to go through quite a few hoops to get the uh, top rewards, but they're looking at $200,000 to $1.5 million as reward, yep, which yep. seems, you know, uh, much more than I was expecting, I've got to say. When they, yeah. when, they say, when they say bug bounties, um, are they looking at people who do programming or are they actually just talking about anyone who reports a, a problem they've come across? Um, no. I, I think I it's anyone who can meet these. Um, you must be able to uh, a detailed description of the issues. Um, also come up with the prerequisites and steps to get the system to the impacted state. Uh, a reasonably reliable exploit for the issue being reported and enough information for Apple to be able to reasonably produce the issue. So I think as long as you can uh, supply those four things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to pay you for your um, your your network issues, Jim. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, yeah, I think it does. You've got to. I mean, what have we got here? You no know, uh, device attack via physical access such as a lock screen bypass or user data extraction. Mm. Yeah, um, serious stuff. Yeah. You know, network attack with user interaction, one-click yeah. unauthorized access to sensitive data, one-click yeah. co- kernel code. I mean, um, you know, a zero-click kernel code execution with persistence and kernel PAC bypass, $1 million. Wow. Um, Imagine accidentally discovering this thing. And oh, man. You're a millionaire and you can retire. And Yeah. Like, like the, a little, some high school or even elementary school kid does something on his iphone or her iphone and all of a sudden they find some bug that's worth a million dollars yep there we go um additional requirements in addition to complete a report issues that require the execution of multiple exploits as well as one click and zero click issues require a full chain for maximum payout and this must include compiled and source versions everything needed uh, and a sample non-destructive payload if required 
So, yeah, um, on the whole, I think this is you know, for serious uh, bug hunting security mm. professionals. But yeah. uh, it, it's still nice to know, isn't it? I mean, because it's about time, let's be honest. Um, it's, it's time to stop pretending that, you know, you can produce something that's perfect. There are always holes in security. Yeah. And actually, we need, we need these people. Um, we need these people to be poking at um, software. Um, and I don't think I put this one in the... I don't put, think I put this one in the uh, show notes. No, I didn't. Um, for example, uh, if you use uh, Twitter app on your Android phone, please make sure it's fully updated because there was a terrible security bug in it. There you go. Um, so, you know, we need people to be poking at these things to find these holes. Um, and we need to make it worth their while to, you know, responsibly disclose them rather than yeah. to uh, sell them off or make yes. other nefarious use of them. Um, there we are. Uh, talking about security, um, courtesy of Dougie, we have a link to the Apple Platform Security Manual um, PDF. Uh, I won't go into it because it's quite a hefty piece, but if you want to read uh, Apple's Platform Security Manual, link in the show notes. Um, and that gives fairly extensive info on you know what the secure enclave does and doesn't do and what you're allowed to uh, use things for and so on. Um, and there was a, a short uh, piece um, from Phil Schiller uh, talking about the development of the original iPad in a new interview. Uh, I've got a link to Mac Rumors. You'll probably find it elsewhere. But it's a pretty short piece. Um, it's not really anything we haven't heard before. It's about how they started on the iPad. And then uh, Steve Jobs said, we need a replacement for the iPod because people will soon make smartphones that can do iPod things. So they went on to the phone. And then, um, you know, when the phone was established, they went back to the iPad. And he's saying that they think that helped because it gave them a clearer idea of what they wanted to do. Um, there we are. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a link to that. Uh, anything got anybody got anything to say about those? Mm. I don't think I've got to say is it's no. quite amazing how science fiction uh, gave you an idea of what it was to come. If you look, look mm. at Star Trek, you had touch pads or some kind or other, and then we got the mm. iPad or the mobile phones, you know, the, the Star Trek communicator, and you've got mobile phones now. Um, yeah. yeah. You just wonder what's coming next. And, you know, yeah. I, do, I have to say... Although, um, you know, I'm not normally a huge fan of these kind of, you know, review of the decade type pieces. Um, looking back to 2010, it is actually amazing how much has changed over the last decade. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think back to 2010, I mean, Instagram wasn't a thing, you know. Um, so many things that have actually taken hold um, just weren't even about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wonder what 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 uh, we'll see in the next ten years because we've gone from big computers down to laptops and iPads and mobile phones, which are basically computers. Uh, what's what we're going to get in the next ten years? Okay, we've got the the the, uh, uh, the, the phone and your wrist. Um, we're going to have uh, embedded into your body uh, things. Yeah. That's the scary it's, one. Um... That's a possibly scary one, and interestingly, enough, augmentation. Uh, um, uh, uh, as a pure aside, uh, my daughter uh, mentioned to me th this morning that um, the piercer, who you know did a couple of her piercings for her, uh, now will implant an NFC chip in your hand. Oh, really? That's what you, yeah. 
if if that's what you would like, yeah. Um, and that's what local to us, Pete. So if you want an NFC chip in your hand, uh, I can direct you to someone who will do it. Blimey. Um, what, what would the chip do once it's in your hand? Wait. Well, I mean, like any F- NFC chip, it's much the same. You could apparently you can have it tied to your bank card so that you can tap and pay with your, you know, the back of your hand rather than fishing out your card. Mm. Um, well, you what, can what are they use it to for? unlock a Sorry? lock. You know, now you can use them to unlock locks and well, anything mm. you know, a kind yeah. of NFC chip can be used for. Yeah. Um, as I said to her, I think it's a bit early for that. I mean, it's for kind of hardcore body modders, but yeah. um, it it just does. I said, you know, at the minute, I'd rather have it do it with my watch, thanks. Yeah. But um, give it ten years, and yeah. I can see people having all sorts of things implanted in them just because it's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. So if you have this chip um, put in. Can you modify what it can do by um, using a, an app on your smartphone or that leads to? I, I've chip? no idea. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know, uh, to be honest. I, I think most of those NFC chips are just like a key. So mm. I guess you could then set it up, you know, with if you have a, a lock that, uh, you know, mm. responds to an NFC key, you could probably mm. tra- you train it to, you know, tell it to use that. Um, things like, I'll tell you one thing that I could see it becoming big for. I mean, obviously, we're talking about NFC-enabled uh, U2F keys, you know, mm. the FIDO keys that you can now, you know, because Apple have now unlocked it, you can simply put the NFC key near your phone to authenticate. Um, if you had an NFC FIDO chip in your hand, you'd effectively be able to authenticate yourself anywhere, oh. anytime. Hmm. Yeah, I just think of all the, you know, all the movie stuff where they yeah. they chop someone's hand off or steal their eye. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah but there's um there are um there are companies I know where people are having um opting to have their ID NFC chip you know embedded into their uh, in their skin so that they don't have to faff about with the security cards and whatnot. Doors will simply put it in your they pet and they can let themselves in and out of your house. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Yeah, I don't trust smart locks or anything like that. No. But there we go. Uh, just an aside, as you were talking about um. I mean, one of the things she said is the guy himself, the piercer and tattooist, has implanted a magnet in the back of his hand mm. so that when he's working, he oh. can magnetically attach <laughs> like the next the next needle or spare needle or whatever he wants so he doesn't have to faff about with that. It's stuck to the back of his hand. Um, I can imagine people having magnets, you know, attached yeah. to the side of their head so that they could detach... Um, Glasses yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, no. there we go. I can just imagine that person going out to a date and being stuck to the person who's got another magnet. <laughs> yeah. It's your magnetic attraction. Yeah. <laughs> your magnetic personality. No, yeah. so I get my hand. You can, don't don't try and kiss me on the left hand side, <laughs> or we'll get stuck together. Yeah. Oh dear. Um. So there we go. Um. What else? What else were we going to talk about? Um. Online bulletin board inventor Randy Seuss has died at 74. Um, not a name most people probably know, not a name I recognised immediately, no, but um, me. no, uh, but he is one of the you know original bulletin board uh creators. Um, bulletin boards, of course, being the precursors to the uh, you know, to the social networks and uh, such like chat that we rooms. have now, yeah, chat rooms and yep. stuff. Um, apparently, he created the software for the first online public bulletin board, um, and he died on December the 10th. Uh, he and Ward Christensen built the computer bulletin board system in 1978. Um, 
of course, in those days, anybody uh, anybody who used one will be familiar. You had to dial a particular number and you know connect to a specific computer to leave messages and so on. But yeah, bulletin boards uh, basically eventually morphed into online forums and chat rooms and all those other things. Um, so without him, uh, you know, things wouldn't be the same as they are now. So there we go. Another uh, pioneer has passed on, as is the way of such things. Um, now, uh, apparently, this is one. This is one that I think we're all quite interested in. Apple, Google, and Amazon have decided to play nice over smart home tech. Mm. And uh, I think, I think before the show, uh, Pete, you said about bloody time. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've been, I've been waiting for Hive to um, make their Hive stuff compatible with uh, HomeKit for some time. They keep saying they're going to do it, but they never have. So I've stopped buying Hive products now. And right. I'm thinking about uh, move, you know, changing brand because, uh, and really, what what I want is for whatever I get to work with um, HomeKit, yeah, um, rather than keep downloading different apps and you know turning your lights on with one app and you control your heating with another, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, well, of course, the whole point, isn't it, of a, of a smart home? The original vision was that it would be smart and yeah. yeah faffing about with a whole load of different apps to do different things isn't exceptionally smart no. um and also anyway. i think apple are a long way behind in this you know i've been playing with siri quite a lot recently and yeah it's it can be frustrating to use there's quite a few restrictions on it um alexa seems to be better i don't use alexa myself but from what i've seen of other people using it and what i've read you know they seem to be quite a long way ahead of well, uh, think, Siri. Um from the from the things I've read, not not only is Alexa um, you know, uh far more flexible than Siri. Uh partly of course because Apple are very strict on their security mm -hmm. privacy side. Um but Amazon's uh you know the Alexa ecosystem is much bigger because um I mean even even Google's home uh push has been eclipsed by uh, Amazon, who seem to have really yeah. seized the main ground there. Um, but anyway, Apple, Google, and Amazon have announced they are teaming up in an effort to make smart home tech easier to use. Um, apparently, also Zigbee Alliance, who I have no idea who they are, um, and IKEA is also involved, and that is um, that's good news because uh, if you um, if you are into smart home things, IKEA produce a lot of, um, heart, you know, smart home gadgets. They do, don't they? And at relatively affordable prices. And, yes, at more to the point, at sensible prices. Yeah. I mean, um, lots of people go on about Philips Hue lighting mm -hmm. and how wonderful it is. And I think, yeah, and at £35 a bulb, yeah. you know, I'd have to take out a second mortgage for <laughs> smart you bulbs in all my rooms um i'm not that bothered but you know uh whereas i believe ikea were going to do a kit for about start a kit for about 20 pounds weren't they with a couple of bulbs and a hub and they make all sorts of other things which is quite nice um you know they do things like lamps with um chi chargers in them yeah. or coffee tables and things like that which is a more i just think a nicer and more practical solution because much as we love all these gadgets i don't know about you but i hate i absolute hate the complete mess of spaghetti mm. all over my house where 
Yeah. You know, there are chargers and there are portals and there are hubs and, yeah. you know, there just ends up with masses of cables strewn everywhere. It's horrible. Yes, um, yes. I, I'm sitting in front of my Mac here with, um, uh, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different wires. Yeah. And I mean, next to my bed here, I have a charger and that's got like nine cables coming out of it, you know. One for the phone, one for another phone, one for my watch, yeah. you know, one for earbuds. It's a nightmare. Um, so the IKEA ones do do some nice things. They do things like standard lamps, don't they, with a Qi charging pad as a sort of shelf, that sort of thing. But for the, the general use, it's a good thing because um, it'll make more devices work with other devices or different systems. Um, Definitely. One, yeah. adva- one advantage of Alexa is it has a better understanding of accents. It seems to work much, much better with accent. Uh, really? Whereas okay. Apple's got the security side of it. So if you yeah. get a combination of you know, under, you know, uh, machine learning and understanding and Apple security, that will be great. Um, also, the fact you get you, know, you don't have to worry about uh, does it work with that you know, one system or work with another system. Mm. Um, and I've got, I've got a couple of um, these Wi-Fi plugs. Uh, which would be great if they would work with uh, HomeKit, but they don't. Mm. Um, so I've now I've got to use uh, you know, the, the company's app to make to make my my lights come on and off. Yeah. Whereas if it was working with Apple's HomeKit, I could just walk to the door and it would switch on. Uh, but it doesn't. So you've got to manually do it. So it might work that way. It might give us a bit more convenience, a bit more mm. security. Um, there you go. I mean, as they say here, manufacturers have often had to choose a voice assistant with which to make their device compatible, for example. So, worked with Alexa, but not Siri. And then they've got some examples of things that only work with Whereas, And it says, uh, forcing customers and manufacturers to choose one voice assistant over another could be a thing of the past if this new partnership between tech firms goes ahead as planned. On their project website, the companies have stated customers can be confident that their device of choice will work in their home and they will be able to set it up and control it with their system of choice. Um, apparently, uh, draft spec are due to be released late 2020. Um, it would be nice to think it would be uh, compatible with all the races, but I very much doubt it. Uh, possibly not. Yeah. Um, as it says here, what does it say here? Um, the firms say current smart home products should continue to work even when the new standard is brought in. Hmm. Um, so they're not saying that they will all, you know, if you've got mm. one at the moment. Um, so buy new devices, mm, upgrade. Um, mm. There we go. Uh, and Carolina Milanese has said it makes a lot of sense to come together and at, at, at the end of the day it's going to make the market opportunity bigger for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, uh, get a move on is all I can yes. say. <laughs> Indeed. Um there we also, are. Also, just uh, a, just as an uh, an adjunct to that, you know, you still have to be fairly precise about what you say to these. Um, you know, and the, the and the way I work, especially when I'm driving, uh, I want to listen to the second episode of a radio program I listened to last Wednesday. It had this person in it, but I can't remember the name of it. You've tried to say that to any smart assistant, and they won't have an, a clue. No. So, you know, smartness needs to get a lot smarter at it, the moment. It does. Did, but, then, do but then, that. of course, um, you know, there would be privacy concerns because then it would have to be able to look back at what I was listening to last Wednesday, um, go on the internet, find that, look up that person's name, and then 
make some link between that and a range of programs that I could be talking about based on what I've listened to in the past. But you also you also hit the problem they had before uh, some months ago, where there was a revelation about uh, your conversations were being recorded. Mm. Um, I can't remember the exact story, um, but there was a bit well. I mean, they would. They it turned out unsurprisingly that all, all of the smart assistants mm -hmm. have teams of people yeah, who review actual recordings. Um, you know, people get, get got a bit. You know, oh, we're all being listened to all the time. No, you're not, because the machines filter out ones which you know are marked as troublesome, mm -hmm. and then those are listened to to try and you know diagnose what went wrong. Or um, I think um, is it Amazon have added a added a, a feature to Alexa where if it doesn't understand you, you can ask it to tell you what it think you know what it thought you wanted, and you can try and then figure out what either you said wrong or it didn't understand. Mm. Um, oh, and wouldn't that be nice for Siri? Mm, wouldn't that be yes. for Siri? You ask it, you know, you ask it for something you... and it gives you something completely different. Yeah, and then you could say, what do you think I said would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What What do you think I wanted? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. they, all, they all need that because, yeah. you know, even, even at the best, they're fairly clunky you have yeah. to you know issue fairly specific commands i mean um the the story i uh had last week about uh you know you can now listen to apple podcasts on your echo device mm -hmm. but you have to say quite specifically hey a lady please you know play me the essential apple podcast on apple podcasts yes um you know or possibly you could say you know on um uh, what's it? What I've gone blank. The music yeah. company that isn't Apple. Um, Spotify. Also carry, Spotify, who also carry podcasts. Um, yeah. yeah. Now um, that's, and you can understand why you have to use that chain of command. Otherwise, Alexa's not going to know what you're no, after. No. But it's also not exactly the most comfortable thing in the world to have to say. Is it really? You probably want to say. Hey, hey, lady, play me the essential Apple podcast, and yeah. then you know. Yeah. So uh, then okay. maybe it say, "What episode would you like? You know, the latest, please." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, before I was uh, fried Amazon uh, Apple Music, I had downloaded a song on Amazon Music, and then I asked Siri to play it, and he went to Apple Music and played me some Paul Weller, and I said, "It isn't what I wanted." Uh, tried it again. But essentially, what I needed to do was tell it to launch um, launch um, Amazon Prime Music and then enable Alexa and then ask Alexa to play that. But <laughs> the, the file was on my iOS device. Yeah, so it's all like, oh, that's where you just give up. Yeah, you go, do, don't you? Yeah, tap, And you tap. pick it up and tap, tap. And... <laughs> I, I feel um, eventually it will all come down to one company only. Uh, that'll provide the you know the, this voice feature. Um, you've already had um, Microsoft give up in there. Uh, Cortana. Cortana. Yeah. And it's now. I think, it, I think you can still ask Cortana, but I think it goes goes through um, Alexa. There was there was some tie-in. Well, I that. know I know they've pulled I know they've pulled Cortana from Android and iOS. Mm -hmm. like, and I, can, now... I can see something like um, uh, Google actually winning the the battle. I can see, I can see Siri going away. Yeah, eventually. I do you know what I think? I think you're you're probably close. 
uh, App, Apple would be probably the last ones to give yeah, up they will, yeah. because they don't like they, but they can't admit they've made a mistake mm-hmm. but if that situation developed and I could see that happening where effectively some people start saying I mean at the minute you've, you've got Cortana you've got Siri you've got Alexa you've got Google, uh, was it called Google Home or OK <laughs> Google or whatever it is uh, you've got Bixby you've got various other people mm. you know tinkering in that space but you can see it coming to a point where, say, Samsung decide that Bixby hasn't got enough traction. It's too much hard work. They can't really see any return in continuing to do it. I could see a company like Samsung saying, OK, we're not going to you know, openly announce that we're dropping Bixby and using mm-hmm. Alexa instead. But you could see them pushing the back end out to Alexa. Yeah. And so effectively, even though it's, quote unquote Bixby, it's really, you know, Amazon's uh, voice assistant doing the heavy lifting. And like so many things in, in tech, eventually these things do kind of coalesce into one or two big players. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it would ever come down to just one, but I could see it coming down to, a, a you know, a couple of big players. I mean, it's like browsers. People keep on about browser wars, mm. but actually, even though they... You know, at the minute, how many different types of browsers have we really got? You've got WebKit, you've got Chromium, and I think Firefox is still running its own engine. I believe so, yeah. So that gives you every every other browser that you see that isn't, you know, Firefox, uh, Chrome, or uh, Safari is running on, you know, Apple's sort of semi-open source WebKit, um, the Chromium open source engine or the Firefox engine. Um, well, one of my favourite um, browsers is uh, Vivaldi, and that's a Chrome yes. one. But it, it's that's... much better. I think it's much better than uh, Chrome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, but that, that's what I'm saying. There's Vivaldi and there's Brave and there's Opera and there's, you know, Opera used to have its own engine. I'm pretty sure they gave up. Um, all, all sorts of browsers that are out there, but they're now all built on, you know, one of these three engines. Um, I could see that happening in the smart assistant space. So if it came to a point where Apple realised that, you know, they were fighting a losing battle, I could see them maybe using another service to do it, but they wouldn't They wouldn't say, oh, well, we're, we're changing to Alexa. It would still be Siri. It just wouldn't be run by Apple anymore. The problem but Apple's got I, with Siri is uh, it needs users to use it to improve it and a lot of people have turned away from Siri yeah. I, I, myself I've switched Siri off completely I have Siri on but I don't have um, you know I very rarely I use it for really simple things um, most of the time the thing I use Siri for is making hands free phone calls I'll be honest because that's one thing it seems able to do without too much difficulty yes. yeah yeah, <laughs> but actually, you could turn Siri off completely because I could do that before Siri was a thing with the voice commands in iOS. Ah, yeah, you, di- you didn't actually, mm. you know, because yeah, that's I a very simple that. command. And there were voice commands in iOS before there was Siri. And when Siri first came out, I didn't turn it on for a long time because it was so ineffective because I didn't have decent, you know, three G coverage that it was easier to stick with the onboard voice commands. There we go. Um. There we go. And a rider to that at the bottom of this, um, tech firms would have to ensure that the new standard, which would increase compatibility between products, must not make it easier for hackers to get access to connected devices. Although it is great for everything to communicate, you're as good as your weakest link. 
the product that doesn't have security features in it. Security must be paramount. There we go. Um, well, I think we all, I think that's, you know, I do think that is a good thing. We're, it's, if we're going to get to this future that everybody keeps promising us, um, these companies are going to have to stop trying to gouge each other's eyes out and coalesce around some kind of standards and then compete on their products, I think. Talking about how things might change in the next 10 years. <laughs> there we are. Um, what should we do next? Um, I'll tell you what, we'll take a five-minute break and go over to John Nemo in the hardware store where he has a uh, fine little product to tell us about, and we'll be back after that. Take it away, John. Here is the ultimate stocking stuffer from Nemo's Hardware Store. Costs $90 in the U.S. It's provided by The Gromit, T-H-E-G-R-O-M-M-E-T, thegromit.com. It's called the Bits Blade 2.0, B-I-T-Z. Bits Blade, B-I-T-Z-B-L-A-D-E, 2.0 Bit and Blade Multi-Tool. They call it a lightweight, compact, super tough multi-tool for your everyday essential. This is the tech person's dream come true. It's a little bit bigger than a fountain pen, but it's got a zillion tools and adapters and slicers and bashers and lights and pokers and prodders. It's got everything you need instead of carrying around that heavy-duty tool pocket. When you go to the grommet, they have some pictures and a little movie of the Bits Blade 2.0 in use. Here's the details. Pry bar, hex wrench, bottle opener, box cutter, scraper, knife blade, flashlight or torch, window breaker, limited lifetime warranty. The blades are really, really sharp. Keep out of reach of children or inebriated podcasters. The company that makes the Bits Blade is called Stat Gear, S-T-A-T-G-E-A-R. You can read about the founder and the company of Stat Gear that makes the Bits Blade 2.0 from the link thegromit.com. Let me read this to you. Unscrew the Bits Blade to reveal a variety of tools, including assorted screwdriver heads, etc. And when you purchase it, when it comes in the package, there's a nice carrying case and a little tiny small case for all the different hex wrenches and, and Phillips screwdriver heads and torque wrenches. You really must have this in your hand to feel the precision and the quality of the construction and the amazing versatility of the Bits Blade B-I-T-Z-B-L-A-D-E 2.0. This is a great stocking stuffer that you will have this year and you will have for the rest of your life. Don't loan it to anybody because they'll never return it. It's a premium product with a premium price from a premium company that will give you years and years of utility and service in your car, in your home, in your shop, in your office, on your bike, wherever you happen to be. This is the real deal as far as a single multi-purpose tool, the best one we have ever seen. Well done, Stat Gear and The Gromit. Happy holiday season from Nemo's Hardware Store. Look back at our Nemo's Hardware Store recommendations throughout the year for the ultimate gifts for this year and the year beyond. Back next week. Thank you, John. Links as ever in the show notes. Don't forget the Amazon affiliate link. I won't go on at great length about that. You know how it works. Go to the website, press the big red button, buy your stuff. 
we get a few pennies in the pound as a kickback, which we can use to uh, pay for some of the bills. Okay, um, we're going to crash ahead. After talking about uh, companies wanting to work together, um, Facebook wants to take on Google by creating its own Android alternative. Uh, link to Android Central here. Um, what do we all think about that one? I know what I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you want to use Facebook? Uh, no. Facebook yeah. OS? Like, no, I would OS? not. No, yeah, no. no. Um, uh, Donnie, was it you pointed out that they, they launched a Facebook phone, didn't they? Yeah, Which right. bombed. Um, yeah, I just, I, uh, I don't know. If, if you want to just forget about privacy totally, just go follow Facebook. Yeah. 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 It's... It, <sighs> Well, as we said in the Slack room, Facebook want to, you know, build their own everything um, yeah. and create. Uh, I think they want to become a bit like AOL back in the day where, you know, AO, lots of people thought AOL was the Internet, whereas yeah. obviously it was, a you know, the AOL, AOL walled garden of Internet. Um, just imagine really, all the scandals that will just come out of this with yeah, having to go in front of Congress and. Oh, I mean, to to start with, stuff. they've got to, you know, to start with, they've got to build an OS that's actually any good. Um, then they've got to convince people to use it. Um, no. And they've got to convince developers to make apps for it. They have indeed, unless they build it on Android, in which case all they're doing is building another, you know, another version of Android. Um, unless, if you, and if you look version. at Microsoft as an example, what, yep. what happened to them? Yeah, and I mean, they're a real big player and they couldn't get their actually quite good OS mm. off the ground, I'll be yeah. honest. Um, as I've said before, my girls had some, you know, Windows phones and uh, they were quite nice phones and not particularly expensive. But what killed them was the fact that after a while, my girls would not use them because they could not get Instagram and Snapchat and, you know, all the apps they wanted. And that wasn't good enough. Um, I know, I guess, they're... Zuckerberg believes that people, you know, are so embedded in um, Facebook, but they'll be happy in a totally Facebook world. Um, mm. Tell you what, Zuck, go off, build your own version of the internet and take all your Facebook <laughs> people with you. I, I just Leave the rest of us alone, you know. Take all the people who ha don't care about privacy away with you and uh, the rest of us can get on with our lives, I think. Um, yeah, just take the whole Facebook platform and just convert that into an operating system because they already, yeah. I don't use Facebook, but don't they have like, Many apps running in it, like games and stuff oh, like that. Oh, yeah, people yeah. can chat through it, and they could build a um like a word processor that works through it or something. Probably if they wanted to, and just take the whole website and just convert that into. A, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they did. It make Facebook make it just Facebook OS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm just yeah. wonder. Yeah, yeah. Just, good I'm just, Sorry, I just wonder how big Facebook's going to get before they finally fall. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. you know, so, sooner or I don't know how long it will take. I mean, people say young, you know, younger people don't use Facebook. It's They don't go on there because their granny's on there and whatnot. I don't know. Um, oh, they're not I don't know. Snapchat. These things, it's always very easy, isn't it, to look at a company that's big and say they're too big to fail and how many companies like that have mm. crashed and burned over the last 20 years. And not only in tech, you know, you think of people like Woolworths and yeah, um, We were just talking about AOL. Yeah, yeah, AOL. Do you think Slack um, might actually be the, the next thing for um, replacing Facebook and Snapchat and that? Um, it seems to be 
growing up all the time. Um, it's just wonder where people the, were turning for the, the general public. I don't think the general public even knows what Slack is. No, no, no certainly not. But but that said, you know they're a fairly aggressively marketed company that you know mm. they give people like us that you know um, the ability to use Slack for nothing. Yeah. Um, one of the big appeals, I think, certainly to people like us of using um, something like Slack, is it you can have a con- controlled environment. So you can create your your group. Um, I mean, ours is open. Anybody who clicks the link in the show notes will, you know, be signed up. But if you want to make it invitation only, you can. Somebody is still in charge of it and moderating it. If somebody, you know, gets egregiously unpleasant, they can be kicked out and banned. Um, you know, if somebody's harassing people, there's a there is a lot to be said for that. And I think a lot of people are beginning to. I mean, Facebook groups are very popular because yeah. again, that's that's a people a lot of people i know say they use facebook for facebook groups because those are like slack groups they are controlled and moderated and not necessarily open to all and sundry mm-hmm. but um I, I and there are a lot of you know slack is not the only um sort of uh, company providing those kind of services i can't think of any other i uh, there used to be one called igloo i think i'm not sure mm-hmm. if they're still going um well, they're they're Apple idea. incorporated a Slack-like thing in iMessage, then it would take off. Or they mm. bought Slack and put it into iMessage. One of the complaints I get from friends that use Facebook is uh, the amount of um, links sent to them from people they don't know uh, about subjects they don't want to be involved in. And it's probably down to you know, friends recommend friends recommend friends you know, uh, to them. Um, well, yeah. suppose the groups gets around that problem. Uh, not, I don't know anybody who uses the groups in Facebook, but yeah, maybe that's the answer. I think um, obviously I don't use Facebook at all, but mm. I know people like um, like Guy Searle. He has a a Facebook group for his uh, Mac to the Future Go live cast. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, lots of people obviously use Slack. Other people use Facebook groups. Um, but I think a lot of people are becoming very disenchanted with the whole kind of Facebook thing where it's people are realizing that you put something on Facebook on the to all intents and purposes, go out into the middle of the market square and shout it out because <laughs> yeah. that's effectively, you know, and by the way, um, with people who like just shout and Pete said and Pete said endlessly and, you know, all over the place, it's just no. Um so there we go. I think that's probably likely to crash, burn, and die. And I hope it takes a lot of Facebook money down the <laughs> toilet with it. To be honest. Sorry. Do I? Do I? Am I showing my dislike of Facebook? Um, <laughs> um, moving on to a couple of other things which might be uh, more uh, about security. Um, I've got an article here. A new uncrackable security system may make your VPN obsolete. Now, that sounds really interesting. Um, I've read this article. It's really, really light on details. Mm. Um, They don't even apparently have a working prototype at the moment. Um, Apparently, a new computer chip will allow information to be sent using a one-time unhackable communication. Um, And as we said before the show, that's kind of uh, a very dangerous promise to make yes um so we built like the uh the chip they have in uh apple uh equipment now uh it's a kind of security what, the, the, the enclave T2? aye oh it's right a, well, it's, 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 it's kind of like yeah. that where it puts out um 
an individual code each time it sends information. Mm. It sounds like a good idea, but mm. uh, uncrackable. Mm. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, the researchers' proposed system uses silicon chips containing complex structures which are irreversibly changed in order to send information on a one-time key which cannot be recreated or intercepted. Um, right, basically they're saying, oh, you know, quantum computers will be able to break every, uh, you know, cryptographic algorithm we have. Um, uh, what's he say? Uh, the research team is currently working on developing commercial applications for patented technology and plan to have a fully functional demo soon. Um, well, look forward to that. Yeah. I look forward See to that, that. yeah. I mean, apparently they're talking about using some kind of optical system. I guess maybe if you use crystal structures, which are, you know, reconfigured every time you do it, you're creating yeah. some kind of, un, un, you know, unrepeatable key. Um, I, I mean, at the moment, privacy has very much come to the fore and there are privacy services springing up left, right and centre. There are, um, aren't there? I was say, and, and then, but then you get into the VPN problem, don't you? Of who do you trust? Um hmm. I mean, uh, we've talked about um, Ghostry Midnight. I'm on the beta for that. So's uh, Jim. It's quite nice. I've had a few things that don't like it. Uh, Dropbox doesn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I found today that my Apple, you know, software update check doesn't like it. You have to quit it for that. Um, I, then again, I'm probably not the target audience. I have a VPN. I have malware bytes running. I mm. have. You know, I have a uh, uh, Lulu reverse, you know, network monitoring on. Uh, Wire is already, you know, a secure encrypted platform and so on and so forth. I I suspect the target market is people who probably really do not use any protection whatsoever. And this is an all-in-one solution. Yeah. Um, and it's an early beta. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I report to them, you know, it appears to be interfering with automatic update checking. Uh, you know, it interferes with Dropbox. Um, Wired, uh, well, I say Wired doesn't like it. Wired reports that the network uh, is not secure. Um, I did speak to Ghostry about that, and they said that's basically Wired informing you that the network is being monitored, which is true. Um, And you could just press the, it's all right, I know what I'm doing, and that will be fine. Um, But I think very much it's aimed at people who want to, you know, get one thing and pay so much a month and then they're protected pretty much from everything. Um, As far as I know, it's now a a fairly working software. It's it's out of beta now. Because they sent me an email saying um, I could get a discounted lifetime uh, subscription for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yes, I, I, only eight pounds. Only eight pounds. I've got a VPN. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, like you, I think it's slick. Um, mm-hmm. I think fourteen pound a month might be a little bit on the steep side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think well, eight pounds a month's a bit steep. Well, that said, Pete, I mean, it's got tracker protection, yeah. um, a VPN. Yeah. It's got several services rolled okay. into it. So is it, is it duplicating some of the stuff? Though is, is Safari not got uh, some of that stuff built? In? Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, if, if you use the ghostery extension, then you, you're already blocking most of the stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, I think it is very much aimed at people who want a, you know, who are not the kind of people who would install uh, Safari extensions and yeah. put in a VPN yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a, it's the kind of Norton software protection suite yeah. kind of. Yeah, so, um, so, so what it's doing is what I've got. Uh, I've got Ghost 3 on my uh, Safari. I've got um, a VPN. 
from Proton, and I've also got my wheel bites as well. So these, mm. all these things are doing the same thing as, um, yeah, as, as very much. Yeah. I think it's it's very much. You know, I really do think it's very much aimed at, for example, um, you know, people like my parents, where mm-hmm. they don't want to have to worry about all that. You simply go here, install this, pay your money, and uh, forget mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And it'll update itself and look after itself and, and all the rest. Um, anyway, hopefully I'm going to get Pete uh, Knowlton back on uh, next year to tell us about it. Um, there we go. I, I mean, um, as well as that, what was the other service? There was another thing I, I saw... Um, can't remember now uh, but, winston. you know winston right yeah. yes that is the one um there's um a story here which again i think that might have been yours James. yeah it's a um, local, um hardware device. Um, yeah it's a t- take back control of your online privacy as, as they say hmm. um but it's a hardware device that sits between the router and your computing device um it sounds a good idea uh it's not cheap uh, you can go subscription or pay a one or some, I think it's about £300 or just over for the device and a lifetime. Uh, uh, not subscription, you know what I mean. Um, it sounds access. good. But yeah. Access, that's it. But then you get you worry about, uh, okay, so what's Winston doing? Uh, are they looking at you? Know, they're they spying on you instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I think um, because how they describe it is a network filter. I, I think mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about what it's doing. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 in effect, it, it's a hard, you know, kind of a hardware firewall, which mm-hmm. is mm. encrypting your stuff before it leaves your network. Um, one of its big appeals, obviously, is um, that it protects everything on your network. You know, so if you watch their little video, as they say, you know, you mm-hmm. used to watch the TV. Now your smart TV is watching what you watch. Um, you know, if you install this, then, you know, your TV is blocked from um, doing that sort of thing. Uh, I'm, I just think it's in, interesting that as we come to, you know, this point, um, something that Andy Yen said, you know, from Proton when he came on the show was that he believed that, you know, privacy selling services would be a thing in the future and that's partly you know why they started um proton um and it looks like that's coming true people are beginning to say well i will i am prepared to pay to have email which i know is secured i am prepared to pay for a you know a reliable vpn i am prepared to pay for um protection from being tracked and spied on mm-hmm. um the only thing interesting in knowing about winston is uh, does it suffer the same problems like grocery seems to be suffering from um with blocking various things you know you were saying that um dropbox doesn't like it um groceries midnight would the winston suffer the problems that is true. Um, that, that's always the thing because obviously, as everybody is trying to make sure their services are secure, mm-hmm. uh, Dropbox doesn't like it because it says this not network does not be you know appear to be secure because it's being monitored. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have suggested to um, you know on the feedback form uh, that. Um, you know, could there be an exclusion list? I know it kind of defeats the point of um, something like Midnight, but at the same time, um, if you've got some application which refuses to work with it, it would be nice to have, a, you know, an exclusion list that says, 
please don't monitor Dropbox or please don't monitor my wire. Um, that's already a secure um, product. I don't know. This is always the this is what happens, isn't it? <laughs> Security becomes entangled, and then you know it is is part of my problem with Midnight that I'm not using their VPN. I'm using my VPN. Um, that the services I'm using are, are already secure. Um, and one other thing we with one of these kind of hardware devices is what happens if the company goes bust? You know, yeah, you're, you're yeah. left with a device that you can't really use. It won't get updated. Mm. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm, mm. I'm sure what you're paying for a lot of the time is... Mm. Um, a lot of these kind of Indiegogos and the other um, Kickstarters and all that kind of thing. There's been quite a lot of companies have started off and then disappeared. Um, that is true, you worry about unfortunately. That. Right, well, the time is ticking on, and I know Pete wants to get off to watch the footy. I do. So, so I'll tell you what, uh, if you'd like to sign out now, Pete... Um, me and the other two will do the last couple of stories and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go now. I wish you all uh, a Merry Christmas and uh, lots of under the tree. And uh, <laughs> I guess I'll see the other side of the uh, of the big day. All right, mate. Okay. I heard, uh, I heard uh, the, uh, we were getting some free marks uh, from a certain person. He <laughs> yeah, yeah. did going to get some for us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I'm of waiting for a big do, package on my you know, this big new Mac Pro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you could, you could, but then again, he could have had his fingers crossed because you do realise that <laughs> uh, John Nemo is not a follower of the, you know, yeah. of the Messiah. Have um, a nice Christmas. There we go. Yeah. Have a nice Christmas. Please. He told me mine was on the way. Was he? Oh. <laughs> What you what you want there is somebody who who makes little uh, Mac Pro models so you could send them. Did you get it in waiting? <laughs> well, ship, shipping's cheaper to me because I'm in the same tree at least. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh right. So let's let's move on then. Um, we've got two stories which uh, relate to kind of clean energy and and batteries. Um. We, I talked, I don't know, two, two, three weeks ago about a product called uh, the Blue Membrane, um, which, you know, is supposed to generate electricity uh, through the interface between salt and um, fresh water. Um, uh, I've got a link here to Science Focus on the BBC, um, which gives us some more details. Uh, there are two main ways in which this process can generate power. Uh, it's, it says here, um, technology relies on the process of osmosis where water or solutes, e.g. salt, move across the semi-permeable membrane in order to balance the concentrations. Um, there are two ways this can generate power. Water moves across a membrane, it creates pressure, which can be converted into energy, or, on the other hand, charged solute particles or ions move across the membrane, the movement of ions can be harnessed to generate voltage. Um, these method, methods of osmotic power uh, are zero emissions and are less variable than solar and wind energy and could be used in places where fresh water, i.e. rivers, meet the sea. Um, apparently, this technology was first proposed in the 70s and has so far failed to reach potential. Um, the main difficulty lies in developing a membrane which is efficient and able to last a long time in the corrosive seawater. Um, now, these guys at uh, Deakin University in Australia and the University of Michigan have developed a membrane which ticks both the boxes. Um, they have taken their inspira inspiration from biology, apparently, um, and 
modelled it on cartilage. Um, they have married two materials together to obtain the properties uh, of both. Uh, they have used a synthetic aramid nanofibers, providing flexible material similar to cartilage, and layered it with boron nitride, which is strong like bone. When the membrane was used to separate the salt solutions of different concentrations, it let through the salt's positively charged sodium ions, repelling the negatively charged chloride ions, and thus created an electric current. Um, it was uh, functioned for 200 hour, over 200 hours and was still able to withstand a wide range of conditions. So there we go. That's very good indeed. Um, more information on that. Um, these are the best performing mem membranes made so far, and the researchers believe their technology is scalable because the main components are both inexpensive. Now, yeah. That's good, That's isn't it? Very good. There's, I mean, there's a lot of new stuff coming along, uh, which have great potential. Uh, although uh, the worry is that they might be either too expensive to, to make or too hard to make. You know, mass manufacturing. You've got things like graphene, which was supposed to be the wonder material, which seems to have disappeared or gone very quiet. Um, mm. The other thing they're talking about is uh, a, a, a much more environmentally friendly way of making hydrogen. Um, which sounds interesting, this uh, membrane idea. If it, I mean, if it, if it cuts down in pollution and uses natural ways of producing energy, I'm all for it. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, as we've been talking about in the Slack room, you know, I don't think a lot of people are aware just how much probably over the next decade we're going to have to change the way we do things. Mm -hmm. If we want to continue to, you know, have all these lovely, you know, technological toys, we're going to have to find ways to power them. Um, no, and also manufacture them. Because you look, you look at the mobile yeah. phone, I mean, Apple make great uh, strides to, to point out that they're bromide-free and all the other things that they're free of and recyclable. I mean, that's, that was the beginning of getting around these horrible, nasty chemicals. Um, mm. This sounds like another way of getting, the, you know, the same problem. Uh, so the, the more we rely on more natural ways of producing energy, also we need to cut down in the amount of energy we use as well. We use far too much. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I think uh, there's going to be huge changes over the next, you know, decade. Um, so that one's good. That's, uh, you know, more on a story we covered earlier. Um, and this one is IBM have created, apparently, a cobalt-free EV battery using materials extracted from seawater. Apparently, it outperforms current lithium-ion batteries and is less likely to catch fire, which is a good thing. Let's face it. Well, um, well the catch fire bit is, is really good, but the other the other thing about it is if it's not using cobalt, uh, that's even better. There's a, a lot of controversy behind how that material is mined. Um, yes. There's like you know, child labour and slave labour and uh, labour and yeah, I can't say the word. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, I mean, the other the other thing with with cobalt um, and like a lot of these, you know. Mm -hmm. um, rare earth metals and so on that go into, you know, which are, you know, gallium and mm -hmm. uh, selenium and all sorts of weird and wonderful, um, you know, things which are used is, you know, they're not that common and they're, they're a finite supply, yeah. um, which is why, yes, we need to be much better at, you know, recycling um, electronics because mm -hmm. even the tiny amounts in there, you know, multiplied by, millions upon millions of devices is quite a lot of material um 
According to IBM, this new design could outperform current lithium batteries in cost, charging time. They're claiming here that it would take less than five minutes to reach 80% charge. Yeah. Um, power density and energy efficiency. Um, you know, I mean, we, we've fantastic. done stories on all these like lithium replacements in the past, but it'd be nice for one to actually become a reality. I mean, they all sound good in practice, but we're still everything's still everyone's still using lithium ion batteries and nothing mm. has um nothing has um yet broken through it's it, like yes. it's almost the same it's different but the same it's almost like facebook everyone says this will be this is better than facebook this is better than facebook but until something breaks through and replaces it it's not it's nothing's going to change mm. i i think part of the thing is often because we're aware of these things we're looking out for them a lot of the store i mean a lot of the stories we've covered on here about um you know replacements for lithium ion batteries have often said you know this is a lab you know a lab right. uh, proof of concept and you know commercial products are 5 to 10 years out um this one doesn't say that i have to say i mean there was the thing about the sort of um ceramic electrolytes and and um all sorts of things that we've covered and they're unless, all... unless someone jumps on board and says okay we're going to use this now nothing's ever going to change exactly um if this is you know if this can be a, a, a real thing i think it's killer um it's killer uh feature here is charging time less than five minutes to get 80 percent charge into your ev is you know that's that's starting to get on the par with pulling up the pump and yeah, look, <clears throat> squirting, you know, volatile chemicals into the tank, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I guess we're into the argument about, uh, you know, people make about you know, electric cars, oh, it'll take far too long to charge up, you need to sit for an hour or more to charge up. Well, that mm. gets around that problem, it's as quick as filling up a, a petrol car. Uh, yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's got to be scalable, though. Um, I mean, there's, there's, been other, there's been other ideas around for many years now as possible replacements for battery, you know, battery powers, uh, powered cars. And there was one manufacturer, I don't know if it's still on the go, who were developing cars with um, a liquid electrolyte. Uh, basically, you drove up to the, car, the, the the pump, plugged in, and it emptied the material out of the tank and refilled it with this recharged fluid. And that was as much just was much as quick as, you know, feel mm. of a, a petrol car. Um, that doesn't seem to have come, you know, come on the market. Uh, hydrogen seems to be struggling because of um, problems. You know, it's a very high pressure um, system to, you know, for fueling these these vehicles up with hydrogen. Um, it seems to be very slow to take off. Although that seems to be gaining more support with the likes of uh, you know trains um, and you know larger machines like buses and lorries. Um, I, I think yeah, I think you're right there. It, often. I don't think there's one solution that fits all, is there? There's not. There's not one solution. Plus, it's getting it's you know scalable for folk to actually buy into. Um, the fact that this, this this would produce a battery system that won't blow up, you know, it won't explode, is good. Um, uh, and fast recharge is good. But later we think we should just run everything on potatoes. <laughs> They're not explosive. Well, yeah, that's true. That is true. We'll just get the old just get the old Flint, Flint, uh, Fred Flintstone car out. Yep. <laughs> Pedal like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, anyway, that uh, is more interesting battery tech, and I think that's pretty much all of the stories. We've got uh, a very, very top tip here, um, which came from uh, Alastair in the Slack. 
Um, did you know the recovery partition uh, in your Mac can restore several different OSs? Um, I'm sure we're all fairly aware of you can do Command R to uh, reinstall the OS that was already on your Mac. Um, apparently, Command Alt R will upgrade you to the latest Mac OS compatible with your machine, and Command Shift Alt R will reinstall the Mac OS which your Mac was shipped with, or the closest version still available. Uh, and that really is an incredibly top tip. Command um, Alt R, that's a huge time saver. Yeah. The latest. Yep, uh, Mac compatible with your Mac, yeah, and uh, obviously Command Shift Alt R um, downgrade to the uh, original or closer to their two OS. Um, the number of times I've I would have been able to save hours doing that. That's um, there we go, and there's a link to the manuals that uh, tell you that. And I think, guys, I think that's probably enough. We've covered all the stories, I think. So. Um, I guess this is where we should miss, uh, you know, do the uh, the usual and wish all of the uh, listeners a Merry Christmas or festival of their choice um, until we come back and do our Christmas Cracker New Year Palooza show uh, on the 29th. So, uh, Donnie, do you wish to tout your massive empire of uh, retail goodies? We'll keep it short. Uh, R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R on Twitter. Um, I did have a new children's book come out in, I don't know what they're calling it now, the iBook store, the books, Apple's book app, um, called Kindergarten, Kindergarten Zoo. Um, and I've been doing a bunch with Apple Arcade at aarcadereviews.com. And there's some videos and some other stuff up there. And the usual links in the show notes for apps and stickers and books and stuff like that. Yep. Okay. Um, Jim? Uh, you'll find me in the Slack group as Matt and Jim. Uh, you'll also find me on Flickr uh, as the SRPS Realtors um, and also uh, the administrator for the Slack groups Flickr uh, site. Lovely. Fantastic. I uh, am, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. Uh, thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Um, if you want to send us a review, please do. We like uh, getting reviews. We do. Um, and I guess I think I'm just going to call that a show. So Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, it's goodbye from me. That's about humbug for me. Happy holiday. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, everybody. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to my Mac 
www.ghostbusters.com. Take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. This is Mike's computer. I really think you need to listen to Geekiest Show Ever. Melissa, Elisa and Mike work really hard to make a good podcast that will last the test of time. They are smart, informative and concise. Who am I kidding? They show up and talk for an hour or so and I have to listen to their dribble. I beg you listen to the podcast so I feel like my life has meaning and I won't go into a kernel panic and end it all. Listen to the geekiest show ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network. This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.